Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Pastor Kingsley Hill, uh, and it's a great pri- privilege to be here this morning uh, to be bringing our Lord's message um, to us. And um, I'd like to open in a word of prayer. Though our Lord is already here with us, uh, I want to invite him to stand in our midst this morning and to minister to us. Um, so let's close our, close our eyes and bow our heads to, uh, to our Lord, and I'll open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for your great love for us. We thank you that you want to speak to us this morning. We thank you that you always have something to say to us. You desire to minister to our hearts, to meet us where we're at in our lives. And this morning, uh, we just invite you to stand in our midst. We invite your Holy Spirit to minister to us through your word. We pray that your word would come alive to us this morning. And uh, through your Holy Spirit, that uh, you would change us, Lord. You would give us something new that we can relate to and something that we can uh, put into practice in our lives. Um, For you, as your word says, you are making all things new. You are growing us into the likeness of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we thank you that you are with us this morning, and we thank you that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish the purpose of which you send it this morning. So we thank you for what you will say to us in the blessed name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to start by reading, um, reading from the book of John, the Gospel of John, um, Chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This morning, my message is on the authority of Christ, or on the authority of the Lord Jesus. And um, I remember as a young boy, um, running to Sunday school in the rain, and um, it was absolutely pouring. When it rains in South Wales, it's like a, like a cloudburst. And uh, I ran 
to Sunday school holding the Bible over my head like this. And uh, several of my classmates followed. And uh, my Sunday school teacher opened the door of the church uh, with a big smile on his face. And he said, I'm so glad that you're underneath the covering of God. What I thought I need, needed was an umbrella, but uh, I was holding the Bible over my head, and I never forgot that. And uh, he went on that day to preach about the authority, the covering authority of Christ on our lives. And um, I want to talk a little bit about that authority this morning. Um, we've read, we just read about Jesus being the Word, living in the Word. And uh, indeed, that's what he does. As we open the Bible today, um, we can meet the Lord Jesus Christ in and through his Word. He meets us in his Word. He meets us in and through his Holy Spirit within us. And uh, in wonderful ways, um, the Spirit of God, which every true believer has, and the Word of God work in unison together. Uh, for an example, um, I always call the Bible the only book that reads me. And being a writer, I read a lot of books. And uh, I once met a man, uh, a pastor, back in Britain. And uh, he, he boasted, he he read over 3,000 books. And, uh, and he would say, but there was only one book that read me. There are a lot of books, good books, that we read. And, and a good book becomes like a friend. We pull it out or read it once a year because it's such a good book. But there is one book that reads us. It reads us because the Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ in Lord Jesus Christ indwell the pages of this book. And um, I suggest that can be a very wonderful thing if we belong to, to our Lord, if we have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we can read the wonderful promises, for example, that he gives us to, to encourage us in our lives or to claim in times of, of trouble and need to encourage us, to inspire us, to keep us going in the faith. And um, one day, um, actually it was every morning, my grandmother would put a, uh, a Bible verse under my door and it was very infuriating to me. Uh, I'd get up at the breakfast table, get up, go to the breakfast table and I'd give my grandmother her verse back and I said, look, you know, you can preach at church, you can preach to, you know, to all your friends, but you know, just leave me alone. I'm tired of these Bible verses coming under my door every, every morning, 365 days a year. In came a Bible verse. Um, but one day, one day I... Um, She'd written it out. It was like a letter. It wasn't just a, a Bible verse. It was a letter. And uh, it was actually the story of the centurion, uh, a Roman soldier 
who um, understood the authority of Jesus. And my grandfather would always say to me when I refused to go to church, he said, you know, Grandma and I are praying for you that one day you will understand the authority of God. That one day you will not allow your pride and self-sufficiency to keep you away from the life that God came to give you. That he died so that you could live. And to me it was, you know, I, I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me at the time. It just... It just sounded like a nursery rhyme, you know? It just sounded too good to be true. This, this Jesus who laid his life down for me on the cross, bled for me, died for me, so that I wouldn't have to fear death, hell, and the grave. I wouldn't have to live a life in fear of what happened uh, at the end of life, or even fear the things that happen during life. All these things my grandparents told me, all these things they wanted me to have. And it was very evident as I watched their lives that, uh, that their lives were under a, an authority. This Jesus was everywhere in their home. They honored him with, with everything they did in their lives. And, uh, and as a rebellious Uh, 18-year-old, I was actually just turning 18 when I went to live with my grandparents and and, uh, I couldn't get my head around this this invisible authority that they lived their lives under. uh, But this morning, um, I decided I would read not just the regular verse and then slam it down on the table and ask my grandmother not to do it again. But this morning, this particular morning, I, I read the story of the, the centurion, the Roman centurion. So I'm going to read it for us this morning. And uh, then I want to talk about two men, two men that learned the authority of God. One of them being the centurion, and the other one was a, a very young man who I'll tell you about in a little while. So let's go to uh, the story of the centurion first. So this is the story of the centurion. Now when he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, Jesus entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, 
for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think worthy to come to you myself. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. Jesus, hearing what the centurion said, turned around and said to those following him, I have not found such faith, not in all of Israel. And those who were returning to the house found the centurion's servant well. He had been healed. I'd like to look at the verses uh, a little bit individually here. We're talking about um, the centurion who recognized the authority of Jesus. Now, our text this morning, it doesn't tell us that the centurion had previously seen Jesus. He just heard about Jesus. And we know at this time, uh, the Lord Jesus had started his ministry and uh, he was healing the sick. Uh, People were coming to him in the hundreds, sometimes the thousands following him around. So he'd obviously heard about Jesus, and he recognized Jesus as a man under authority. It's interesting, I find, that here we have a centurion. As we know, a centurion um, in in the Roman army has charge over 100 soldiers. And, uh, and the hierarchy goes more and more, right from uh, so a, a, a captain looking after, in charge of 50, to a centurion who uh, has the responsibility to look over 100. And it goes right up to legions where there are thousands of people or soldiers under, under the ruling of, of one man. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, Jesus uh, was seen by the centurion as a man under authority. And we know uh, there are so many instances in the Bible where Jesus, uh, where Jesus could heal or he could give a word of truth, he could change a life, but he would say, my time has not come yet. In other words, he wasn't ready to start his ministry. And when he started it, he would often say, what I do is what the Father tells me to do. I do nothing on my own. I do nothing independently of the Father. So even though all this authority. Uh, There are verses in the Bible that tell us, uh, Jesus himself says, all authority has been given unto me. Yet I do nothing that the Father does not tell me 
to do. Uh, I have a wonderful friend uh, in Israel, and he is a he's a, he is Jewish by faith, um, but uh, he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ uh, about ten years ago. And whenever I want to understand the richness of a verse, um, that I, I I feel there's so much more there, and I just I want to dig deeper. I can pick it, pick up the phone and call him, and uh, he gave me some fantastic insight into this this whole reading this morning. And uh, this is what he shared with me about verse three. And I I really had never thought of this. Um, so again, verse verse three. Sorry, verse two. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Well, a certain centurion servant was dear to him. It's a very rare thing in the Roman Empire, the Roman army, that uh, he would have a servant, uh, a Jewish servant, uh, from Palestine, who was dear to him. It was unheard of. Um, But we get a glimpse into the heart of this centurion, his servant, this lowly servant, um, was dear to him. This was highly unusual. And uh, we're going to read the following verse now as well, uh, verse 3. So let's read verse 3. And it starts, um, verse 3 starts to give us a wonderful insight into, into the heart of the centurion, a heart in which God can work in. And uh, remember, the centurion um, is a Gentile. He's not from the Jewish nation. He's a Gentile. And uh, for a, a Jewish man um, to go under a Gentile's roof, it was a defilement. It was an absolute defilement. They were defiled for a number of days after. Uh, so um, one of the last things uh, a Jew, a practicing Jew of Jesus' time wanted to do was to go under the roof of a Gentile. And, uh, but let's look at verse 3. And we see a wonderful working of God in this centurion's heart. Let's read verse 3. Verse 3 says this. So when he heard about Jesus... So remember, it doesn't say that he ever saw Jesus before. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And going right into verse 4, And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom Jesus should do this was deserving. Well, what makes this Gentile deserving that Jesus would come under the roof of a Gentile's house, which would be defilement, and heal his servant? It goes on. 
Verse 5, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Wait a moment. Like a, a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion. Um, this is highly unusual. As I previously mentioned in an earlier verse, it's, it's, it's unheard of that a, a centurion would build uh, a synagogue for the Jewish nation, this Gentile. And uh, again, we can see, we can see God working in this Gentile's life. Remember, the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul is not yet on the scene. Paul is not yet on the scene. And uh, we know that God loves the Gentile. God loves everyone. And later on, he was to actually call an apostle especially for the Gentiles, especially to minister to people like you and me who weren't born in the country or the faith that God first entrusted uh, the scriptures to. So this is massive. And, and I spoke to my friend in depth on the phone, and he said a few other things that I think are very important for us to understand what God is doing here uh, in revealing his authority to this um, centurion. So here we go. Um, so my friend, my Jewish friend says, it is important to note that the centurion appealed to Jesus through intermediaries. In other words, he didn't go himself. He felt unworthy to go himself. In the Jewish faith, in the time of Jesus, it is important to note that the measure of respect this man had in the community, that the Jewish leaders would even be willing to consider his cause and go to Jesus. So somehow, and we know that uh, the centurion loved the nation of Israel. He's already built them a synagogue. Uh, what happened in this man's heart? What happened in this man's heart for him to love like that? For him to understand that there was, a th there was an authority bigger than the Roman Empire. And in their pride, the Roman Empire boasts boasted about the sun never setting on the Roman Empire. As far as they were concerned, they ruled the world, especially the, the, uh, the Middle East and Palestine, where our story relates today. Um, just a few more things before I'm going to introduce you to the second person here, but uh, just a few, a few more things about the uh, centurion. I believe the centurion was, was obviously being drawn by Christ to God. Verse 6 reads, Lord, do not trouble, your, trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter my roof. 
Um, like all men under conviction, the centurion, the centurion deeply sensed his unworthiness. Um, it was my experience, and I believe many of yours experience. Um, we know, we know even as believers, but especially as unbelievers, we know that we're not worthy um, for Christ to come into our lives, to come and do something for us. We live on, until we come to know him as our Lord and Savior, we're on the opposite side. We're on the opposite side. But this centurion recognized that compared to this Jesus he was hearing all about, uh, he needed a Savior. Uh, He wasn't worthy to have this Jesus of Nazareth come into his house uh, because he was so far from what his own heart wished he could be. And... um, you know, um, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, uh, when we feel that need, when we feel that vulnerability in our own lives, that's not a weakness. Satan says it is. You know, we see all around us a world, uh, you know, proclaiming it has everything together, Pro- proclaiming it doesn't need help. We were designed, God designed us not to be independently isolated from him. And we live in a world that is independently isolated from him. His desire for you and me, his design for you and me, is that we live in fellowship with him, in dependence on him. The Bible says, that God resists the proud. He resists the proud. But he's with the humble. He's with the humble. And this centurion had a teachable heart. He had a teachable heart. And I believe that God was calling him to himself. So Jesus, he was not already far from the house. And the centurion now, he'd already sent the Jewish leaders, and because of their great respect for this centurion, they went and on Jesus' behalf and spoke to him. So Jesus is on the way now to heal this. Um, He said yes. See, this is another wonderful thing about this verse. We see here, uh, we see Jesus breaking down the barriers of, uh, and I'll use the word uh, racism even. You know, he's breaking down the, uh, the interfaith barriers here. He's willing to go to a Gentile's house and heal this servant of his. So he's on his way, and uh, now, uh, now the centurion sends some friends. So the centurion sends his friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, 
having soldiers under me. And to this one I say go, and he goes. This one I say come, and he comes. So we see here that the centurion has seen. He's come to an understanding of the authority of Jesus. Um, I want to talk now about a, a second man. He was a boy, actually. He's a man now, but he was a boy. And uh, he also came uh, to the understanding of the authority of Christ, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, I want to ask us this morning, I want to ask you and I want to ask me, uh, what does understanding the authority of Christ do for us? What's it going to do for you? What's it going to do to me, for me, that I understand the authority of Jesus Christ? Well, understanding the authority of Christ will do many things. And applying that authority to our lives will be life-changing. And that is my prayer this morning, is that we will see that the authority of Christ, recognizing that, living under that authority, will change our lives. One of the things that recognizing the authority of Christ does is um, it breeds faith. It, uh, it makes us men and women of faith because the object of what we believe in, we understand, is it's, it's not just a man. This, this Jesus of Nazareth is not just a man. He carries with him, he lives with him, the authority of God the Father. And all the authority of God has been given to this man. And yet he is willing, he is willing uh, to meet you and me where we're at in our lives. And I find that just fantastic, that this authority, the Bible says that there is only one authority, there is only one name under heaven that man must be saved. One name, one name. And that name is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the authority that we have to understand, that we have to come to and submit to, uh, to experience salvation, to experience salvation. And uh, I want to tell you a story about a young man. And uh, that young man was me. That boy was me. And... Um, when I, was, um, when I was 12 years of age, I came home from school one day and my mother was crying and my father wasn't home. And I said, what's wrong, mom? And uh, she said, uh, your father's left and he's not coming home. And uh, my brother was uh, two years younger than me and mom sat us down weeping and told us that dad was not coming home. And I thought, wait a moment. Wait a moment. For 400 years, you know, for 400 years, 
on my father's side, the eldest son went to a seminary or before they had seminaries, they, they were brought up in the, in the church uh, under the, the local priest or, or minister. And uh, I thought the authority that I lived under in my family home was going to, you know, was going to be okay. It was going to last. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, my mom and dad are going separate ways. And um, I made a decision. In the UK, um, you can leave school when you're 15. As long as you go to higher education, you can leave school when you're 15. And um, anyway, uh, mom and dad had gone separate ways. And my world and my brother's world had blown up. And uh, I felt I was in the position where I had to choose who I would live with. My mother, uh, my mother who decided she was going to go to Canada and be with her family. And uh, so who, was, who were my brother and I going to stay with? Who were we going to give allegiance to? I felt I was in a position where I had to choose to live with my mother or father. And I decided that I could not do that. And uh, I ran away from home. And uh, I decided, uh, crazy as it may sound, I lived in a, in a cave uh, on a beach uh, for almost two years. One of the things my father had taught me was how to fish, how to hunt, and, uh, and how to survive. But... Uh, Broken and uh, just disillusioned, uh, world blown apart, I went and lived on this beach uh, for almost two years. But it was a time when I was, uh, I was searching for meaning and purpose. And, uh, and one day, um, I, went down to, um, I went down to the beach to, to try and catch some, some crab crabs and lobsters. Over there, uh, at low tide, you can catch, uh, what you do is you bend a coat hanger, and uh, you put it on the end of a stick, and then you wrestle these crabs and these lobsters out of their holes, and you can cook them up. And so I, I, I was fed up with eating food, uh, fish and rabbit. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I saw something bobbing on the tide. And it, was a, it looked like a wine bottle. Uh, a message in a bottle. And uh, so I moved closer and closer to the rocks, and I saw, yeah, there's, there's a scroll, there's something wrapped up in this, in, this, um, in this bottle. So I jumped into the, into the water, and I picked up this, um, this wine bottle, and uh, I could tell it had been at sea for a long time because on the, on the underside of the bottle, there were barnacles, and these barnacles will attach, its, attach themselves to anything that's floating in the sea for a long time. And so anyway, uh, there, was a, there was a broken cork in the bottle, and I didn't have a bottle, a bottle screw to open it up. So I remember breaking the head of the bottle and, uh, and pulling out this, uh, this note. And I thought, wow, you know, I wonder what it's going to say. It, it was a big occasion for me. So I got a fire going in the cave and, and uh, I'm going to read to you um, 
something really amazing because, do you know, um, as I opened up this scroll, it was tied with a little bit of, it was on brown paper, it was written in pencil, very squiggly writing in pencil, and, uh, and it had uh, like a little bit of wool, it was tied in a knot, so I, it was uh, just a knot, one of those knots you just pull, a bow knot, and I pulled the knot loose, and I started to read, and do you know they were Bible verses? It wasn't a, a beautiful woman somewhere that I could get to know. It wasn't a, you know, a sailor on an island somewhere wanting help, sending for an SOS. This was, these were three Bible verses. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. I'll read them. And I want to read, read them to us this morning because they're very significant to, uh, to what I want to say this morning. So um, <clears throat> these Bible verses are in uh, Jeremiah, and uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one, verses one, sorry, verses four through six. So these were the first two verses that I read on this scribbly piece of paper. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart for myself. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. I couldn't relate to that. How could I be a prophet to the, to the nations. I'm a high school kickout. Um, and there was another verse too, uh, which is one of my life verses. And uh, it's Jeremiah 29:11, And it said, the third verse said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. Uh, plans not to harm you but plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And you know, I sat there on my, on my driftwood chair and I wept like a little child. Out of all the words that anyone in this world could have said to me that my heart, that my soul needed to hear. Was those words? Was those words? You see, the Bible is alive. The Bible's alive. We read in First John. We read in First John that in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when God wants to speak to us. And he always wants to speak to you and me. It's whether or not we will just make the time and have our hearts open to him ministering to you and me. The Bible is alive. The Bible is living and active in every sense and form. Everything that we need for life is in this Bible. The rainy day 
when I ran to Sunday school holding the Bible over my head. I had no idea that this book could be a mantle over my life, that this book could change my life. It could meet me and help me with every experience that life had to offer. And uh, that's what it does. That's what it does. And uh, anyway, I'd been on the beach almost two years uh, when I found that message in a bottle. And uh, that gave me the courage. Uh, I knew I was loved. I knew I was loved. The Bible says that if your mother and father abandon you, God won't. God won't. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that gave me the courage to know that he had a plan for this high school kick out, this thief on the street. He had a plan for me. So I decided, I said, well, that night I prayed for the first time in two years. And the only time I ever prayed before that was because I wanted to get something from God. I wasn't interested in him. He was some supreme being who was light years away in a place called heaven where I could never touch. He could never be my God. Do you want a God who you can't touch? You know, if, that who God, if, if God is some supreme being light years away in a place called heaven who you can't have a relationship with, he could never be my God. And that night after I read these verses, I told him that. I said, your verses came alive to me. They gave me hope. They gave me what I needed to hear. And I asked him that night, I said, look, I don't know what to go back to. And I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I've been off the grid for two years. I'm a high school kick out. I don't want to go back to my dad, you know. I don't. And, uh, but little did I know that that very, the same night that I got the message in the bottle, my grandma and grandpa, two godly people who lived 200 miles away in, uh, near Exeter in South Devonshire in England. But do you know that very night, uh, my, grandma, my grandfather and my grandmother had the same dream. And it was a dream that they were... Uh, to go to drive to Swansea and pick up their their son who needed a home. And um, I didn't know this till I was standing on the corner not knowing what to do. And all of a sudden, a familiar car came around the corner. And it was my grandparents. And I didn't know, but they had, uh, as I just mentioned, they had, God had woken them up. And told them that they were to drive down to Swansea, find me, take me back to their home, and, uh, and give me a life with them. So uh, after living with my grandparents for, uh, for two years, um, I wanted to fig- find out how my mum was doing. I hadn't seen my mum for six years. She, uh, when mum and dad went separate ways, my mum left to go to Canada. So uh, I asked my grandparents, uh, I was unemployed at the time, uh, if I could, uh, if they'd loan me the money to go and 
visit my mom in Canada. So uh, they did, and I came out for a holiday uh, to um, Vancouver Island, where my mom was living with her mother. And um, anyway, if, if ever I saw a place that was the land of, of my dreams, it was Vancouver Island in, in British Columbia. Uh, being a fisherman and a hunter, I couldn't believe that there was a river with all these salmon. There were so many fish you could walk across them. And I'll never forget going back to, to the UK and telling them about all these animals and, and uh, this incredible wilderness that was basically unexplored. And uh, so when I came to Canada, a dream was born uh, in my heart. And um, I wanted to come to Canada, but I was a high school kickout. And uh, But I asked my grandfather, and uh, I said, Grandpa, will you come to London with me so that I can apply for emigration to Canada? So he said, well, son, um, I'll, I'll come with you, but uh, there's a recession on, and, and they're only taking doctors and lawyers and people like that, not high school kickouts. But, um, but the verse that came under my door that day that my grandmother put under my door was, with, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so I took this verse in my pocket, and we caught the train to Paddington Station, and uh, we caught a taxi from Paddington Station to the Canadian High Commission. And my grandfather said, look, we've come, uh, we've come 200 miles. Uh, can my grandson fill out, fill out an application to come to Canada? And they said, well, we can do better than that for you, sir, because you've come this far um, you can fill out the application and we'll give you an interview. And they gave me an interview and uh, they asked me what my qualifications were. I'd never passed an exam in my life. I was a high school kick out and they were very honest with me. And they said, you know, I can tell you now, um, you, know, you can fill out the forms, but there's no way that you're going to get out to Canada with, with, without qualification, without a job, because it's bad enough that Canadians are out of jobs themselves, so they're going to take care of their own first, and, uh, you know, they'll take people with professions that are needed, not high school kickouts. So anyway, we went back home, and I was quite disappointed, and um, two weeks to the day, there was a letter from the Canadian High Commission saying, Dear Mr. Hill, you have not met the requirements for landed immigrancy status in Canada, uh, the law is you're not allowed to apply for emigration again uh, for six months. But that night, my grandmother put another verse under my door. And it was, uh, and it was, uh, it was actually another verse from the verse of the centurion, only it was the same story but in Matthew. And Matthew recorded one more thing that I hadn't read in the Luke translation. And it was uh, the last verse of the story of the centurion. And it said, it's, and it's Jesus saying to the centurion, Go, it shall be done to you as you have believed. So, um, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So all of a sudden, these weren't just stories in my life. They were, they were building a faith in me. And I said, Grandpa, I said, um, this verse that Grandma put under my, uh, my uh, 
the door the other day is really speaking to my heart. It says, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And, I, and I've asked God to help me get to Canada. And he said, well, okay, son, he said, but you've got, the law says you've got to wait six months. I said, no. I said, uh, if your God is real, and if these verses that you believe in and have been putting under my door for the past two years are real, then God's going to do this for me. And uh, my grandfather said, okay. He said, but you know the Lord. But I'll come to London with you because God can do anything. So my grandfather, off we went. My grandmother uh, packed me a lunch. And if if ever I've seen Satan incarnate, it's in this woman sitting behind the desk at the Canadian High Commission. And she was just doing a job. She said, what are you doing? She said, "Uh, you, you were here just a few weeks ago. And I've got the record of your application form, and you were turned down. You can't apply for another six months. What are you doing? And my grandfather, just such a gracious man, he said, Sir, Madam, we don't mean any disrespect to you, but can my son fill out this application form? And uh, she said, Yep, you can fill it out, but as soon as he's gone, it's going in the garbage can. And she looked me right in the eyes and said, you know, you, you, can't, you can't break the law. And I said, well, you know, can, can you just take my application? And as, as we were turning around, my grandfather had already left the room, and she looked right at me and threw it in the garbage bin. So it was a very unhappy ride home on the train, and uh, I had this conversation with my grandfather, and I said, Grandpa, feeling sorry for myself, nothing ever works out for me, you know? And he said, all he said to me was, King, he said, things are most often not the way they seem to be. And I say, well, they're pretty plain to me, you know. Two weeks to the day, I came down to the breakfast table. My grandmother had already gone down to the post office to, to get the mail. And there was a letter from me that said, Canadian High Commission. And I said, oh, I can't open it. <laughs> Grandpa, can you open it? And he said, no, son. He said, you held God up to his word. You open it. And I've got the letter today. I was going to bring it in, but uh, it's written on my heart anyway. It says, dear Kingsley, you have met the necessary requirements for landed immigrancy in Canada. We wish you every happiness in your new life. So God overthrew Two, two governments in getting me out to Canada. And uh, praise God. Uh, he showed me that his authority is above all authorities in this world. And I just want to praise him this morning for that incredible, incredible truth. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.